Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hey, geeks. All right, uh, Sarah. So it's been, sorry, guys, it's been a few weeks since we've done a Stranger <laughs> Things review, which is is totally on us. Um, yeah, life has kicked us in the groin, and uh, just, we've been really busy or sick. Yeah, yeah, that's, in, that's part of the problem. You know, you, you get sick and... Or, it's that time of year. It is tough, you know. It it seems like if you get sick, I get sick. Somehow you transmit the virus through the interwebs, and right, and then I'm sick, or vice Within versa. Within two weeks, mm-hmm. the other person will get sick. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like clockwork. Yep. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna be reviewing the seventh episode of Stranger Things uh, three, and this one is called The Bite. Uh, sure is. Yeah, the, it definitely is. Definitely is. So, Sarah, before we get in, well, now let's let's do the rundown here. It, it of course, you know, July fourth being the release date for all of them. Matt and Ross Duffer both uh, wrote and directed this, and uh, the runtime was fifty five minutes. And, um, you know, I don't even know if I want to get into a plot synopsis for this one either. I mean, it's mostly just. The kids fending off this giant creature that has, you know, been amassed of the liquefied corpses of... And building up to the ultimate showdown. Right. And so this giant creature, which is made up of, like, the organic matter of, you know, hundreds, I don't know how many hundreds of people, dozens, I don't know, rats and different creatures and people. They can't of, smell good. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even imagine being around it. Uh, that would be the worst part. Yeah, uh, it's true. It would be terrible. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's more or less uh, that happening. And, and meanwhile, Joyce and, and Hopper and Alexi are on their way back to Hawkins uh, in order to find the kids. And there are people after them as well. So, yeah. Uh, Everyone's got somebody after the other person. <laughs> Yeah, except for Karen Wheeler and uh, her serial killer husband. Um, I will say I love that opening scene. It just shows that, you know, she has come to, like, terms with knowing, like, her age that she needs to, like, she can still have fun, but she doesn't have to be wild and crazy like she wants to be. So she still has a little bit of fun, but also is putting, like, the effort into being with her family. Right. And so... I'll tell you what, um, hold that thought. <laughs> let, 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 let's do, let's do our one sentence review and then we can, we can hop in. So, uh, my one sentence review is uh, the bite ups the stakes by forcing some characters into vulnerable situations 
that seem to have real tangible consequences. Very true. Um, mine is that the bite is my least favorite and my favorite episode rolled into one. Really interesting. Yeah. I like that. I'm now I'm really, really interested to find out why <laughs> it's both your favorite and your least favorite. Um, all right. So pick up on that thought. I want you to tell me, I want you to expand on what you were talking about when it came to uh, Karen and this, this whole concept. Well, I like that they had this moment in the cold opening that, you know, she slips the guy who's running the Ferris wheel like a fiver to have like the Ferris wheel stop at like the very top so she and her family can watch the fireworks. Like, that's fun. That's her kind of wild side that, you know, wants to do this, even though like Ted is, you know, mm-hmm. he's the serial killer. <laughs> so he has no fun in him whatsoever. And he's even just worried about being up that high. Like, but she, you know, she's going to have a little fun. She's not going to ask permission to have this fun. She's going to, she takes control and she's, but she's still putting herself in the situation where she's spending time with her family and kind of putting the thought of the fling she nearly had with Billy far behind her. Do you you think the coming that, do you think coming that close to having that, that fling with, Billy was the thing that scared her ultimately. It probably just woke her up. Like, I think she was way too, you, you know, how you can just get blindsided by being so involved in something or liking somebody so much that you're really not thinking of reality or, and or that's consequences. Yes. That or, too. The consequences of your actions, not, you know, until later when the things already happened that you realize, Oh, um, uh, people could get hurt like uh my husband my kids my family you know the whole world and you're not thinking about that in the moment you're thinking about what you want exactly and now she's not she's not putting herself first anymore right it's it, it, it's the whole the whole family thing which i think is is really the smart thing here i think when it comes to karen um you're right i i like this scene um the family up there, but you can still see like anytime her husband speaks, she's just like gritting. Her uh, teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see like, she's trying to pull fun out of him. Yeah, it, It's, it's like pulling blood out of a stone. <laughs> it really is. You know, blood that he splattered on there with one of his killings. Of course. Um, so, but yeah. Yeah. So like, Let's talk about um, either plot lines in this episode. So let's start out with the uh, Hopper, Joyce, uh, Alexi. Um, and Bald Eagle. And, and Bald, <laughs> Bald Eagle, which is great. Murray. <laughs> Murray. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, they are racing back to Hawkins, right? Because yeah, they're find the kids. They're yeah, they're terrified um about the kids. Um Hopper is a little less freaked out. He's just like, eh, they're fine, whatever, you know, no big deal. Um yeah. but they do they do end up heading back. Uh on the way they get into a fight, Joyce and, and Hopper, as they've been doing all season. And uh Bald Eagle uh, Murray uh, speaks <laughs> speaks the truth 
uh, to the them, sex talk, <laughs> which is essentially like you guys have some serious um, sexual uh, tension, <laughs> tension slash frustration going on here. You need to exercise the demons, and uh, <laughs> you know, I like the terminology. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 really, um, you know, get this this resolved. For everybody's sake. Because <laughs> you're annoying everyone around you. Like, we may not make it back because you might be dead at my hands uh, if this doesn't yeah. get resolved quickly. Um, I will say this is one of the parts where it's one of my least favorite parts about this. Okay, so tell, tell me why. This, you know, they happened last episode, or last season. You know, you had it, it made sense with, of course, um, Nancy and Jonathan. It, it worked really well there. In here, it just feels like they're trying to force duplicate that. Okay. And I understand what they're trying to like Murray, like kind of all knowing, all understanding of, you know, the dynamics of people when people have their, you know, their blind spots, and but he makes them see that that's fine. But to have it pretty much the same topic, it just feels repetitive and forced, and it's also just like. A little too much. Like it's really extreme. It just. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I think this is something that we're going to get to talking about a bit more in our post mortem <laughs> on the show. Um, we're not on the on the show in this the series the, uh, series three, but I I agree. Um, I think one of the one of the few mistakes they made this season was taking this this Hopper and Joyce thing uh, to the extreme. Really? Because he, like, through this whole season, he's damn near, uh, like, abuse, like, verbally abusive. Yeah, it, it's, it's a weird thing. And I remember we touched on this early in our reviews, like the first couple of episodes, I think. And we talked about how it just felt like Hopper was little too going a little too crazy you know he's taking a step back like they he had like a great character and it Mm -hmm. seems like they kind of backslid him and made him almost sexist you know not just that but i think i mean given the the time frame it's it's not entirely surprising right but i do think that one of the things that they made a mistake here was like if you look at hopper season one for sure in season two as well. He's a pretty, he's a pretty down to earth guy. Um, pretty grounded when he's on the job and he's doing his thing. He's, he's very focused. And I, I think in their attempt to kind of push his character along in a different direction, they took him to the extreme in an attempt to mine it for some kind of quasi comedy. Yeah. You know, and by, it didn't come off that way. No, it, it doesn't. Um, you just, when you see somebody who's just constantly exasperated and we've seen exasperated Hopper in the past, but it was an exasperation that made sense in terms of where the character was at character wise. Right. Yeah. So season one, it makes sense. This guy is kind of strung out a little bit. Uh, He's burnout. He's just floating in through life until he dies. Kind of attitude. Uh, Yeah. In season two, um, 
maybe not like that anymore, but he, he's still a lot of pressure on him given the way things went in season one and, and now all of a sudden he's looking after 11, right? Yeah, So this time around, it's like, okay, we're going to take that and we're going to push it to the extreme. Now, I understand playing it for comedy a bit when it came to uh, 11 and Mike, right? Yeah. That makes sense. But when you do that with Joyce, it, it feels like it's just a step or two too far. It's disrespectful. Character. Yeah. Okay, sure. And up to that point, they had a very respectful relationship. Like even in the first season, a lot of people made comments about Joyce, but Hopper was always somebody who treated her like a normal person. Right. Yeah. There was always a, a respect. And, you know, I look at this season and I think, okay, I understand like he's been wanting, I, I mean, you know, it. they never come out and say it, but you always got the indication in season one that these two have been together on point, even if yeah. it was just for like a short fling or something, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but there's, there's definitely an understanding, a sense of warmth that was there even in the pilot for the show between these two. You could tell like there was some kind of shared history. Yeah. Which is why he was always a lot more careful around her, kind of made sure that, that when, yeah, you're right, when other people were kind of throwing shade at her, that he was not one of them. But it's like they decided that, okay, we're jumping ahead a few months, and that's enough time that she should be over Bob and just be totally ready to go ready, ready and willing to go out with Hopper Um, to a point where it's almost like he feels like she owes the relationship to him. Right. I mean, I can understand maybe like if they, okay. So I'm trying to think it's something like it's the summer, right? So trying to think last season was around Halloween. Yeah. So we jump ahead to summer. So we're looking at about like seven months or so, uh, something like that. Maybe, um, maybe eight months. Okay, fine. I, I suppose it's not an unreasonable amount of time to go by uh, to maybe want to consider, you know, going out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I mean, I feel like if it is over a year. It's a, you have a little more, uh, I guess, ammunition for making the point that you, you owe it to, you know, yourself to maybe to move on. Yeah. Without maybe specifically saying you owe it to me, but maybe you owe it to yourself to, you know, maybe start considering the fact that there are other people out there that, that might, you know, want to go out make with you, you, happy. you know, make you happy and, and, you know, don't just hide in the past, that kind of thing. But you're right. It's like, oh, okay. Hopper needs Joyce to choose him. Like, it's almost like I've saved your son multiple times. Therefore, at this point, you should date me or something. Yeah. Like, you owe it to me after everything that I've done for you. You owe it to me to give this a shot. 
It's very much the vibe. Right. And you could come at it with a, in a much more subtle way and it might be more effective, but this was not subtle in any way. And it certainly didn't appear to be <laughs> effective in any way. So no, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so they're on their way back. They end up getting to the fair, right? Because yeah. Mayor Klein uh, played by Kerry uh, always. This is, you know, he's out there, he's, doing his thing and so hopper and joyce alexi and uh bald eagle show up uh <laughs> hopper and joyce go their way alexi and and uh bald eagle decide okay we're gonna walk around a bit we're gonna get you know corn dogs and we're gonna play games uh murray tells alexi that these games are rigged that there's basically no point in even playing them because you're not gonna win anything um which alexi then ends up proving him wrong because he he gets the Woody the Woodpecker. Which is uh, so cute. Which is so cute. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Mayor Klein saw Hopper and Joyce uh, there. He made a phone call and the Russian and his guys show up uh, and the Russian takes out Alexei with one shot. Just walks I hate forward. most about this episode. Right. Yeah, Alexi, and sweet like he's he's a cinnamon roll. It's too sweet and innocent for this world. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, and you can see how heartbroken Murray is about it too. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's his friend. And and let me just say, and I think we alluded to this in the last episode. You know, one of the things the Stranger Things does so well is that they can take a character in a very short period of time, a new character. And make you fall in love with them. Yeah, and um, they absolutely did with him. They did. I mean, they've done that in the past. I mean, look, you know, Max. Max. I mean, season one, Barb had a big effect on a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was short lived, and some people might, you know, think it's overblown the whole justice for Barb thing. But you know, for some people, her, her character and what she represented represented uh, within the confines of the story was affected or it affected them. And it if you look at, to yeah, if you look at season two, I mean, I keep, you look, even look at, um, um, Steve. Yeah. You know, somebody who they could have just let him go really quick after season one, but they changed his character in a way that, you know, he went from the cool, coolest guy in school. They took that all away from him in season two and made him this like iconic internet god of babysitting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they took yeah they took a character. I mean, Steve wasn't even supposed to be anything in season no. one. She was he was supposed to be there for maybe a couple of episodes. They liked the, the actor so much that they expanded his role, and now he's he might be the most popular character in the entire show. He's certainly one of the favorites. Um, so, um, yeah. But, you know, here we have uh, Alexi uh, dead. He gets shot. Murray uh, drags him, uh, you know, into like kind of an area between uh, two different buildings on the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Joyce shows up. Uh, they end up leaving to kind of go get help. But uh, by the time they get back, or, or like, wow, I don't think they ever do get back actually. But Alexi is dead. Yeah. He, he does. He's die. He dies. Um, I like that on the way out. 
Joyce sucker punches uh, the mayor. Yeah. Now, before that, Hopper gets in. He goes into the fun house um, with all the mirrors. You have some of the the uh, Russian goons come up there. And he's able to use the all the mirrors and the reflections and stuff to take him out. Um, ends up shooting the Russian, but uh, he has a bulletproof vest on. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that doesn't work. Uh, but they do escape. You're right. Uh, they get out of there just in time. Uh, Joyce does knock out Klein, which is awesome. Another really like a note on the just small touches in this series is that from the beginning of the episode, you, there's a makeup covering uh, the mayor's black eyes and it's slowly deteriorating throughout the episode, which mm. I think is just a great touch. Yeah, that is. It's uh in terms of continuity and stuff, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Like great job on the makeup guys. Yeah. Um and I think just the look of the the fairgrounds, it's uh it's very well done. It yeah. it it's uh exception. feels authentic. Yeah, it's very authentic, very believable. Um I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It took me back to a lot of fairs that I've been to in my life. That all, yeah. They all look very much the same. So um all right, so let's let's move on and talk about the kids. All right, so the which group of kids are we talking? Dustin and Erica, and then or the main core group like uh, Dustin. Well, let's do Dustin and Erica and uh, Steve and Robin because um, this is probably one of the funniest uh, storylines. This is one of the, the best ever. parts of this episode. It's, it is amazing. So, uh, because of the truth serum. That was, uh, they were forced uh, into their system. They're drugged. Yeah. The, the, the guys came in, and they basically injected them with this truth serum. Um, it kind of makes them giddy and all this. So, as if you're really stunned. Right. It's basically what it, it's a stand in for, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, they, they, they get them out of there, right? Uh, Dustin and Erica managed to get Robin and Steve out of there they get back up to the the mall uh, of course they're being essentially being chased right uh, because they're out in full force they want to they want to bring these kids back and it's great that you know Dustin and Erica the kids are having to control the you know pretty much adults and keep them under control when they're acting like you know just little kids and and the Freaking Steve takes popcorn out of the trash can <laughs> to eat. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. It's a great touch there, too. But yeah, they're just, yeah, they're very giddy. They're stoned out of their mind. Their pupils are huge. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way they acted and their conversations are really like, they feel not overdone, but they're just to that point of hilarity because you can really relate to that. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic. Like they did a really good job in just acting stoned and giddy, and the commentary is fabulous. <laughs> well, the commentary is fabulous, um, but I, I really loved essentially turning the babysitter or the two uh, adults really, because mm-hmm. at this point in time, let's face it, uh, these are these are two adults, Robin and Steve. They've graduated yep. school. They are essentially full-on adults now. Exactly. And that yet the adults are being 
uh, babysat by the kids. Yes. <laughs> they um, spun it around. It's great. It, it's a reversal from what we saw last season. So they get they get them up there. They go and they hide in the movie theater to watch Back to the Future. Um, they're, they're basically trying to, to hide out, right? Yeah. And in the um, uh, freaking outside the theater where it has like the names of the movies playing, uh, I like that Return to Oz is on there. Oh, it's great. And that's such like a weird, obscure film. The fact that they would remember that film to put it in there with them, like that makes me so happy. Well, it's like it's like they did the same thing with All the Right Moves in season one, yeah. which is one of my like a, like a favorite movie of mine. So I remember seeing the same you know the same thing. I had the same reaction. I was like, wow, you know, like it's such an underappreciated movie. And exactly. if you, you see that, and you're like, ah, oh, that's so cool. They took the time to put a movie up there that maybe not everybody's heard of or, you know. Not everyone liked. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, exactly. So Return to Oz, divisive, uh, especially for Wizard of Oz fans. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately uh, what's really great about this whole sequence, this whole storyline, is the fact that uh, it leads to like, okay, they end up losing Steve and Robin who make their way out and look up at the pretty light. They look up at the pretty lights, which unfortunately is a bad idea because it eventually it makes them sick because it starts to be like kaleidoscopy. Right. Yeah. And yeah. One thing I could have lived without is seeing them hurl and seeing <laughs> it all come out. Like that's a detail you really didn't need to have guys, but to each their own. Yeah. But the conversation they have in that bathroom is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. Right. So so after they rush into the bathroom and throw up, it, it's kind of like it gets the truth the, the truth serum, I guess, out of their system. Like at least some of um, it, you least, know. Or at least enough of it to where they can have a actual conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um so they start talking to each other and uh, you know, Steve comes over and, he, and he's talking about you know about it's time to grow up. Essentially, what he's saying is this: it's time to grow up. It's time to start moving on and maybe actually you know start dating a girl that you know actually likes me and who I actually like. And he essentially, in a roundabout way, uh, tells Robin that he really likes her. Like, yes, likes her for who she is. Uh, you know think she's pretty and, and she's attractive and, and just basically just really thinks that she's a great person and you know that he's interested in her right um, and then she <laughs> and she uh ends up uh rebuffing his advances which he's a little confused about uh because you know a couple episodes earlier she was you know telling him about how obsessed she was with him back when they were in school and how he never noticed her, mm-hmm. but then she goes on to kind of adjust that story and tell the actual true version of it, where she talks about this. There's this girl in in uh, class with them that that the person she was actually obsessed with, the one that she you know saw every day, the one that she apparently you know fell for was a girl in the class, and, and that she's actually. A lesbian. Right. And Steve, um, I, I love the reaction because it's... Me too. So, like, first off, 
it's so perfect for the time period. Because his reaction was, wait, but she's a girl. And it's such a great reaction. You have to remember, you you know, go back 30 years. It's different. It's a different time period. I mean, it's so, it's so relevant, I think, for um, the time period that we're talking about that the reaction isn't, oh, okay. Like today, more often than not, I mean, I guess at least more often, the reaction would be, oh, okay. And like, no big deal, right? It's it's not. Yeah, this... it's accepted. It's common. You know, mm-hmm. it's not taboo or anything like it was yeah. back then. Yeah. Um. But what I love is that after he takes that second and adjusts to it, he starts to uh, mess with her about it. You know, like and tease her about it. Like about in a, the girl that she's obsessed with was just like like she's a terrible a singer. <laughs> she can't carry a tune, and she's yeah. and so exactly. it quickly turns from. Oh, you can almost see in his head where he's like, "Okay, fine. If I if I can't be with her, obviously, given that you know she is a lesbian, then at least we can still be friends." I still want to be her friend, right? And um, also, I don't want to make this moment awkward for her. You know, and right, he you right. know, lightens the moment with the joke, mm-hmm. and it works perfectly. It works perfectly, and it, it's a really fantastic relationship that they have begun to explore um, this relationship between two people and that are, you know, they're friends and, you know, no matter what happens, she'll have his support and he'll have hers. Yeah. And there may not be a romantic aspect now because of that revelation, but still, uh, that's a strong bond and, and hopefully, you know, a strong friendship that continues. Um, and I agree. I, I love, I love the relationship. And I can just see like maybe in the future, maybe they will be roommates and that would be a really great dynamic to have them. Cause you know, when they're at a bar, she can be kind of his wingman because <laughs> she knows exactly what to look for. Yeah, totally agree. It, it's, um, it's great. Uh, I, I love the storyline. I love the honesty. I love how hard it is for her to be honest. Uh, but, but given everything that they've gone through, I think she, he is the perfect person to tell this to, given everything that they've experienced over the last couple of days. Yeah. And uh, it's great. Um, all right. So let's jump down to the kids. Yes. The other kids. Main kids. The main kids. So um, Eleven and everybody else, they all decide to hole up in Hopper's uh, cabin. Not much left of the cabin after this. (laughs) No, there isn't. But I I understand the reasoning, right? It's Hopper's Mm -hmm. cabin. Uh, End of story. Um, This allows them to feel safe in a moment where they are not safe really but uh it's also a moment that they need to feel as safe as possible um one thing here that i'm just like why even do this is this thing is literally like slightly down the road from them and they're still trying to like barricade it just seems like within two steps you could have been at the house mm -hmm. and also its size 
if it wanted to, it could have just crushed the house. That's one thing that bothered me. Sure. And I guess that probably just comes down to how do we shoot this? Uh, yeah. There's certain constraints, I think. Um, but it's, it's a point well taken. Uh, so they're standing there. The, the monsters moving through, moving through the trees and it comes upon them. Um, the, the battle that ensues is, I will say, regardless of that one aspect where you think, okay, it could just destroy the entire cabin, um, is exceptionally well done. It's, it's, it's very well shot. There's um, a really intricate amount of things that ha- happen in the scene between all the characters that need to be done and choreographed so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do, a, they do a great job. But it all ultimately what it ends up doing, because Eleven uses her powers and is able to basically rip the arms off each one of these arms that comes through. She's able to rip it off and destroy it. The problem is um, she starts to become drained, and then one of these tendrils grabs her leg and starts pulling her towards the monster's mouth. Yeah, and they're all just you know jumping on her to try and pull her back down and... But they're just getting lifted up with it. It's not right. doing much. Right. And then, and then eventually you have a combination of Lucas and the axe and the shotgun, Nancy and the shotgun, that manages to to get this one tendril ripped off. And it uh, gives them just enough time to get out of the cabin and escape. Yeah. Um, but it's left a bite. It has left a bite. Uh Yes, it has. It has. It has Pretty nasty one too. Yes, so they make their way. Um, they make their way to the the like um oh the mini um, mart kind of thing. Yeah, they're looking for uh, something that they can wrap her wound with some you know alcohol and antibiotics and whatever stuff, gauze that kind of thing. They get inside. And while everyone else is kind of running off to, you know, get stuff for Al, um, who's in a lot of pain, by the way. Yeah. Um, they, she talks with Mike. Uh, they have this conversation. Mike essentially apologizes for the way he acted before about being a little possessive of her um, and understanding that she can obviously have other friends and it doesn't mean that uh you know their relationship's gonna change yeah right so um and he's trying to say the word that he wanted to tell her but Mm -hmm. he keeps in a roundabout way because the l word is a huge word (laughs) yeah um especially when you're that age especially when you're that age um and he kind of goes a roundabout way of trying to get at the point across of having to say the word. So he says like a lot of older people say it and just confuses her essentially. Essentially he does. He confuses her. She's kind of uh, unsure about what he's trying to tell her. And, uh, but they get interrupted towards the end and they manage to um, get her, her leg kind of, wrapped the problem is well part of the problem but but also a benefit is 
the Lucas gets sidetracked because there's a bunch of fireworks and mm-hmm. they end up taking a bunch of these fireworks. It's such a Lucas thing too, to yeah. see the fireworks and being like, you know, he probably just thinks, yeah, I want to take these. But the fact that Max is giving him crap for it, he, in his mind, he's like, well, hey, we could use these mm-hmm. and let's all take them all because maybe we'll need them. And if we don't, hey, it's fireworks. Right. Exactly. Um, so they get out of there. Uh, they get to Starcourt Mall. Mm-hmm. And the the problem here is uh, there are, of course, Russians uh, looking mm-hmm. for them. Um, and the, they end up taking taking them out. Eleven ends up crushing them with a car. Yes. And because I think they they found um, uh, oh, Robin and uh, the other, the Dustin and Steve and and anyways, yeah. So Eleven, of course, comes and saves the day and crushes them with the car mm-hmm. as they're approaching, yep. you know, them. So she, of course, has her superhero moment. <laughs> of course. Um, so so one of the things that really uh, stands out here is the fact that uh, Eleven collapses. Mm-hmm. And they manage to get to her. Uh, she's in a lot of pain. Her, her lower leg is just on fire, essentially. And they see a movement under the skin. So, I mean, I don't know. Of all the people that you would want to cut into your leg, who is the one person that you wouldn't want to cut into your leg? Honestly, Jonathan, none would be John, right. <laughs> an but, option I would but choose. Jonathan would not... taking upon himself to be the one, and eh, no. I don't know. Um, it's like fingers in there too. It's oh, like, he tries oh. to stick a finger in there, and it's just terrible. And then she's in such pain because he has to slice open the you know create a wound and then stick his finger in. But like she tells him to stop. She'll, she can do it herself and she ends up using her powers and just yanking that thing that sucker right up sucker yeah and, and chucks it to the ground and then kills it and yeah. then and uh, then hopper steps on it and then, yeah then hopper steps on it and uh that is the end of the the scene right there you know that conversation and the end of the episode. oh hey dad yep <laughs> And it's the end, that's the that's the um yeah or no wait or that no, does that the, happen at the beginning of the next one doesn't it no 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 isn't it the the car isn't it the car wait no 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 the car because they get the car this is what happens when we watch yeah. them back to back yeah. no they have to get because uh, she yanks the she yanks it out um. No, she pulls it out in the net in the last episode. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it ends with them just looking at it and seeing it moving around. Yeah, that's See, we're right. so professional. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, ultimately, um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's what happens when you watch episodes back to back. Because yeah, the end of the seventh episode, beginning of the eighth episode just roll right into each other. Um, so yeah, you're right. Exactly. Um, 
So really, uh, the end of this episode isn't the the slug being pulled out. It's really just uh, the pain and the anguish that she's in, and then it just goes to black. Yeah, and seeing it move around all creepy, like right. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry, apologize for that. But uh, yeah, we kind of get uh, a little confused there on on that because like the beginning of the next episode is really just picks up right off there and, and just continues you know, goes, right on. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So, so Sarah, um, what would you give the script for this episode? I gave it an 85. Okay. Cause there's things I love and things I don't love. <laughs> Um, I gave it a, I actually gave it a 93. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I gave it a 93 because I felt like, and this, this sounds so weird, but this is the first time in a long time where I felt like Eleven was in real danger because she was yeah. in real danger. And in fact, she is injured. She was injured by the creature, uh, which means that, you know, yes, she fought off the giant creature. She used her powers, but it feels like there's more of a cost these days. And on top of that, the powers don't necessarily mean 100% guaranteed she cannot get hurt. Yeah. And she's starting to run on empty. Right. So, yeah, I'll give it a 93 here. Um, I just think it's overall... uh, a quite quite an excellent uh overall episode uh what would you give the acting acting this is a really great uh episode for acting so i give that a 96 i gave it a 94 i I just i think that overall um it's just a fantastic bit of acting yeah so um and directing, I I gave it a ninety-two. Yeah, I think that it definitely deserves it. Uh, I put down ninety-three, okay. really close. Uh, but it's a really well-directed episode, and like even though I have problems with the setup for uh, in the cabin, it was like you made a good point. It's shot very well. Um, a lot of people had to do a lot of movement and have things just right. It's a very confined space, so that was done well. But there's a lot of like really great shots and and choices done in this episode. Right. Um, so it's a 92 for directing overall, uh, 95 for acting, and 89 for script. Mm-hmm. Uh, special effects, I gave it a 90. Um, yeah. I thought it was very well done. I think the practical effects, I think the CGI is, is really well done, especially for a TV show. Uh, you could tell they really beefed up the budget. Um, yeah. Even more than, and season two was, you know, they beefed it up quite a bit from season one, given all, all the praise that it got. Uh, so yeah, I gave it a 90. Special effects, I gave it 88. Okay. Um, like I do feel like they amped up the special effects and a lot of them are really well done, but there's just a couple scenes where like the monsters, like kind of really low lit and darkness that you can just kind of, tell too much that is really CGI and that kind of bothered me a bit. But other than that, I think for the most part, it's really, really great. So 88 for me. Okay. Um, pacing. I mean, like 
um, I think that this uh, episode is emblematic of, I think, the season as a, as a whole. Uh, in terms of pacing, I, I believe that the pacing is just excellent. Um, the pacing, by and large, for the most part, uh, has always been very, very good in Stranger Things. Yes. They really know how to pace uh, the, the season. They know how to pace an episode. And uh, I gave it a 90. Yeah, pacing is always really on point, and I think they really did a good, excuse me, a good job in, we had like three different groups of characters, and they did a really good job in making sure everyone got their moment, and nothing was kind of, you know, put to the side. Everyone had a really good moment to shine, so for me, I put pacing as a 94. Pacing as a, as a 94, wow, that's... Yes. Um... That's quite a high praise there. Yes. Um, what do you think of uh, the? You think? Do you think? Do you, would you agree with me? Do you think the season as a whole, in terms of like the pacing so far, has just been uh, outstanding? Yeah, like they've really done a good job on pacing. Like, there's only a handful of times that it bothers me, and I don't feel like it, you know, there are a couple moments in the series where it just, I feel like it's standing too still, but for the most part, it's had a really good pace to it. Like, especially the episode, uh, what was it called? Mall rats, the mall rats episode. Like that was another one that I thought was really well paced. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. Uh, so it was a 94 for you. Yes. Okay. So overall it's a 92 for, Pacing and an 89 for special effects. Uh, rewatchability, Sarah. <laughs> um, you, you said this is both your your like favorite and least favorite episode. I'd still give it 100 just for <laughs> watching Robin and Steve be completely stoned out of their minds. <laughs> uh, so like that's your like, oh, yeah, this is like perfect. So. Just, it's just it's so entertaining to watch. Like while I have problems with some parts of this episode, overall it's incredibly entertaining and I would watch it 100% a heartbeat. Gotcha. All right. Um Yeah, I I, I got to agree. I, I give this 100% too. Uh, I love Stranger Things. We both love Stranger Things. Um yeah. It's among my all-time favorite shows. Uh it's just a fantastic time. It gets 100. Uh, so if I add up all the grades, um, I have a 92 and you have a 91. So the overall grade is a 91 for Stranger Things, uh, the bite. Not bad. It is not bad at all. Anything in the nines is good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So that looks like that, uh, we have wrapped up episode seven. The bite. Uh, the bite over on 91. Great grade. Uh, great episode. Love it. Um, really gets us ready and rocking for, you know, the finale, uh, which, you know, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about the finale in the next episode, of course. And then uh, once we're done grading the episode, we're going to talk about the season as a whole and maybe also toss out what we feel could be some theories for season four. Absolutely. So, or Stranger Things Four. Stranger Things Four, yeah, because now called Seasons, right? <laughs> uh, 
Did you, oh, um, did you hear, uh, just a spoiler warning, by the way, for people that don't want to hear this, Sarah, did you hear that they, they released the title of the first episode for, uh, Season, uh, for four season uh, yeah it was um like the hellfire gang or something like that the, Hel- the hellfire club yes yes which, like that already makes me excited which i mean it's a direct nod of course to uh x-men uh comics because oh. of, of the hellfire club i had no idea yep so be really interested in uh in that so if that's a nod to x-men i'm betting right off the bat they're going to be introducing some of um, other people that were experimented on. Uh, I, that's uh, something that's going through my head too. So, <laughs> um, all right. So we'll we'll talk more about that when we do our next episode as well. So we'll get into that because it's uh, relevant information to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's something I want to talk about for sure. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.